Welcome back to Movie Ticket Monday. I'm here with my co-host, Justin. Uh, again, this week was What's Eating Gilbert Grape. So, this film was directed by Lasse Hestrom and starring cast including Johnny Depp, Leonardo DiCaprio, Juliette Lewis, John C. Riley, and Mary Steenburgen. One word, Justin, what'd you think? I kind of want to say the word is timeless, but... I don't really know. I, this film has a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack here. And I don't think that there's one central theme for this. And so I'm going to go with the word timeless. That's fair. I I think superb. We've done, what, four films or so? And this is the first film that I don't know if we'll agree with. It sounds like it. But I, I, I loved this film. It was so good, so entertaining. And the thing about it for me was... A lot happened in terms of like an emotional type of thing, but it wasn't like a whole lot of big, large moments. There were all kind of small moments in in Gilbert's life and seeing him take over the father figure in what I assume is his mid-twenties um, and, and taking care of the family, the mother, the, the little man, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, who does just a superb job. I think the best I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd completely agree with, with all of that. It's... uh the film isn't about much. Uh, it's kind of, I, I've here, it kind of takes a dysfunctional family that I think a lot of people can empathize with and just shows you a day in the life with them. Um, and the biggest theme here is Arnie's 18th birthday party. And that proves to be like a pretty minor event in the grand scheme of the film. But that's kind of what it's hyping up to be. Um, but you're absolutely right. All it does is it shows kind of the transformation of Gilbert Grape um, through the lives and people around him. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, that that birthday party, you're right. Like they they play it up through the whole thing. But to me, it was such a small moment, and it had a few big moments during the party, like when Gilbert comes back and apologizes for you know hitting Arnie, and that's a big moment um, because one of the big themes for him, and he says it a few times, is you know if anyone hits you, you come to me and I'll deal with it. And lo and behold, he he snaps for everything that he has to go through, and he he hits Arnie. And yeah. so that was one of the moments, but you're right. I mean, I think it, it is surrounding Gilbert, but I think a lot of it has to do with Arnie and not the character himself, but how his Arnie's life, you know, what's going on with Arnie and how Gilbert deals with it and being in a small town. And I think the, one of the biggest quotes for me personally, what kind of summed up Gilbert's life is um, when, when the, the lady he's having an affair with, uh, what, what, what's her name? Um, Betty from, you know, Mary plays her when she says that I chose you because I knew you were always going to be there and never going to leave. And I think that I spoke that quote down. Yep. I think that spoke miles and miles of what and who Gilbert is and his situation because he can't leave. He's the only true full provider for the family. His mother, with all due respect to her, is useless. And it's it's his mental state as you see him break down at least once, probably twice. I, I might have you know, missed one, but especially when he hits Arnie, he he wants a life. He needs a life from everything that he went through with his, you know, his father committing suicide and him stepping up that role in a clearly much younger age than most people, I think is is profound. And I think people today go through that some sort of similar aspect whether you have to step up in a role too early or, or something else along the lines taking care of someone and i think it's it speaks wonders 
Yeah, that quote, <laughs> that quote from Betty is 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 brutal. Um, but it's it, true. It's 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 spot on true. But I think that's kind of the turning point of this film. Up until that moment, the viewer knows the position that Gilbert Grape is in. He is forced to be here. Um, he doesn't want to be here, but he's willing to be the provider. Um, and you see that in every encounter that he has with Arnie, for example. But when she says that to him, you see a change within him where he realizes like, holy crap, am I being taken advantage of in this role? Maybe there is more to it. And then that's when the relationship with Becky starts to improve and escalate in a way. And she kind of represents this, this philosophical contrast to him. Um, her grandmother introduces Becky as someone who's been all across the world, has seen so many different things. And that's in stark contrast to Gilbert specifically. Um, and she not only is someone who represents something from like a completely different, different world, different experiences, constantly searching for something different versus this, this beat up old town. She also forces him to kind of tap that, that ability within himself to go and seek the next horizon, to go and do the next thing. And she's, in my opinion, the person who's responsible for him tapping that feeling of freedom that he achieves by the end of the film. I think you're right in terms of that quote. I think the person holding it back is the mother, because if the mother's not there and, and you see it at the end, he goes out, he leaves, you know, his sisters go their separate ways. You never know if they come back and meet or, or become, you know, another family again. But I think he absolutely at that moment realizes and knows something has to change, which he also snaps, I believe, shortly after that as well, because... You're right. I mean, his emotional state and, and what she just said and the fact that he knew it all along. But I think I think straight up, I think it's the mother, because if the mother's out of yeah. the picture. Yeah, you have Arnie. But I think I think they're the duo right there. I think it's one of the best duos. Yeah, it's really heartwarming. Yeah, it really is in terms of the relationship, in terms of, uh, you know, aside from the one outburst how he treats Arnie, you know, he holds him, he holds him to a high standard as a family, no matter, you know, what his you know mental state is or whatever it happens to be. He holds him to a high standard and they're very close. They love playing that game of where's Arnie, which I thought I got a few giggles out of each time they did yeah. that. Yeah. I thought, I thought Leo was just unreal. And, and yeah. Johnny Depp, I, I can't remember how many movies I've seen Johnny Depp in outside of Pirates of the Caribbean, which I've only seen, I think the first two, but he did really well. I mean, Pirates is, you know, everyone, that's, to me, that's what I know him in. But somewhere around his starting career, I think he does an amazing job alongside Leo. I agree. This is one of the first films that I've seen with, with Johnny Depp where he's not this kind of, I mean, what do you think of when you think of Johnny Depp? Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe Chocolate in the Chocolate Factory. And he plays really funky roles in both of those films. And to see him do kind of a normal personality um, with such deep emotion was pretty remarkable. Um, it didn't seem like Johnny Depp to me at all. And it shows the talent of this guy as, as an actor to have that scale and being able to tap all of that. Um, and, and I thought it, I thought it was pretty interesting um, because the entire time I'm thinking of Jack Sparrow um, when in reality, this guy, this guy has a lot of depth in terms of his acting ability to be able to do a character like this. And then Charlie and the chocolate factory and then Pirates of the Caribbean. It, it's pretty impressive. That's very true. It's pretty impressive. But yeah, getting, getting back to like opening, I think if you if you want to feel something, if you if you want an emotion to be triggered, this is the movie to watch. And I think that's that's what I mean by timeless. Like when you think back of those timeless films, this one really 
jerks you around. Uh, you feel for all people. Like I highlighted the one scene where Gilbert's mother walks out of the police station and the people are laughing at her because of her obesity. That is like a gut wrenching scene to watch. Um, it's you, heartbreaking you, is you, what it, it is. It is heartbreaking. It is painful for the viewer to watch. And it really puts you in like, you feel like you're one of those kids walking with her. You love your mother. You're not entirely embarrassed about her because you're standing by her side, but there's still this overwhelming pain that you feel. And it's, it seems like that, that really make this film worthwhile to me because it makes you feel something. It stirs an emotion, no matter what, when he punches Arnie, when he leaves Arnie in the bathtub, all of these sequences like elicit a, a form of a feeling. And it's good to, good to tap that, you know, as yeah. a viewer of a and, movie. and for me, it's the feeling uh, on the other side of the spectrum of sadness, sorrow, um, and not the happy, entertaining, funny type of feeling that I think most films have. And it's that different thing where it makes you think and it makes you almost, you know, look at reality and say, you know what, this does happen. This is just so sad. And the way that they portrayed it was great in the aspect of it got across the point perfectly. Yet at the same time, it was just a sad scene for it. But you also see the love of her of the, of the mother, right. you know, doing that for Arnie. And you get the sense before that, at least for me, she didn't want to do anything. She never got up. She never did anything at all. And then all of a sudden she decides to get up and go out in public after not showing up in public for, I think it was seven or eight years since the husband died right. to go and, get Arnie. And, that's, and I thought that was that's heartwarming. Really, that's really where it, it gut wrenches you a little bit because if she didn't do that, I don't think you'd have any sympathy you wouldn't have as much sympathy for her because you would never see any action that she would do that would express love to her children outside of giving them a hug on the couch. Yep. The fact that she did that and when she dies, you feel for this family because that represented, um, like as much as her dying was a, a mark of freedom for Gilbert to go and you know do his own thing or have the idea that he could go do his own thing, it's still gut-wrenching because you do know that this woman wasn't just using that she did add a loving value um, to their lives. And that's why that's where the emotion kicks in. I think is without that scene, you wouldn't feel bad at all with her death, you know? And, and that point you just made to me is the most pronounced for her specifically, because aside from that scene of her going to find Arnie, I did not like her. I thought she was useless, but not really as a character. I think her character, it is supposed to be useless, but she just made me so mad that she didn't try to do anything at all. Yeah. And then that scene comes up brought in front of her. Exactly. Exactly. And she just sleeps on the couch and all the kids have to bring and take everything for her, you know, make the money, clean the house. I mean, he has to keep the house up and run. And, and I think another important scene for me is when uh, John C. Riley comes over to fix the boards where she sits because it was sagging in and the upkeep for the house for a mid 20 year old is just so, so much. And that scene at least made me, I would, I can't say like her because I, I didn't really like her in general, but it made me appreciate her motherly instincts for that. And it did have the moment of a wonderful feeling for you. And I also enjoyed how she went up, up the stairs at the very end as well. That her was death nice. was out of left field to me. I wasn't expecting that at all. I can't say I fully was, but I, I figured something was going to come. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known how they would end it if she survived. So, Cause yeah. Unless he left while she was alive, which I didn't think he would do, I thought something would have to happen. Plus, 
I kind of saw it a little bit because she refused to go up before the one sister was like, I made the bed for you. And she's like, what for? And then all of a sudden she's just like, I'm going to go upstairs to sleep. And to me, I'm like, well, something has to happen here. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if I thought she would yeah. die, but I figured maybe she would try to get healthy again and and make herself better. And it would cut scene to like five years in the future. But that's clearly what I that thought. That's, that's kind of the direction I was expecting. But by, by extension of all of that, I think there's a, a pretty pronounced symbolism that she represents and more so by extension that the house represents in this film. This house is beat up. It's no coincidence that... Gilbert's father built this house. Um, it, and it, it lends to the fact that there's one quote from the film that, that Gilbert says, um, and he's like, my father didn't feel anything. It was like he was already dead. And the fact that his father built the home, committed suicide in the basement, Gilbert won't go into the basement. His mother won't leave the house as a result of her father's suicide. And her, his mother has completely, you know, collapsed in terms of physical health. Um, and then having the house burn at the end, this house, as much as, you know, his mother represented his attachment to this spot, that house was, was the physical reminder every single time of the pain and dread. And with it burning, Gilbert's able to, t- to detach himself from the family history, to detach himself from his father's name and have the ability to go relive his own life. That's it's, a it's, wonderful point. It's, it's Yeah, the fact that it burns down and the fact that it burns down with her inside of it just shows you that, that that's really the symbolism is this house, this beat up, dirty old house that the father built. And then what causes this family to divulge into its, its dysfunction? The father's suicide, right? Yeah. It causes the mother to not focus on her physical health. It has an obvious impact on the children to the point that Gilbert won't even go into the basement of the home. And so when it burns to the ground, they're able to really, it's like cutting off the arm of the pain. It's cutting off the pain. Um, And and, and that's why I think that at the end of the film, Gilbert is looking to the sun and he's like, okay, like I have the whole future ahead of me because that part of the past is gone. That's a, that's a really good point. Now you said the, the one quote of, uh, when they said, like, my dad was just going through life, he was already dead or he acted dead. I thought spoke to, like, s- some lives of people who just, like, can't get out of a situation. And what you said of burning down the house almost brought it full circle for me for almost the exact reason why you said. But aside from the film for personal lives, like, there's there's almost like that one thing sometimes. and And it could be a very big thing that you can't get out of. And yet sometimes you just have to burn the whole thing down. Metaphorically speaking, I'm not completely saying go you know, restart, burn anything yeah. literally, but yeah, burn it down and completely restart to find your happiness, to find your life and, and have it start. Even if it's later in life, I think was pronounced. So for me, I mean, I love kind of just entertaining films and I think you think more into them. But for me, I saw tons of metaphors, whether it's just straight in the movie itself or metaphors for you know individual lives as viewers and what you're seeing. And I would say normally this type of film I probably wouldn't find overly entertaining. But the fact that there are so many small pieces, the characters are likable, and that it actually has to deal with in a, a fair number of aspects with, with lives or pieces of our lives was great. And of course, the acting was 
above and beyond as well, which always and, helps. Yeah, and, and I'll take what I just said, you know, one step further. And so I think the only value that Betty Carver adds in this film is she shows Gilbert an opportunity to leave town. And let me explain. So like she says to him, like, I knew you'd always be here, right? Well, she's in a miserable marriage. Um, she's clearly unhappy. She's having an affair with a 20 something year old. And whether she murdered her husband or not, Ken Carver, his death symbolically represents her freedom. And what does she do? She picks up and goes to St. Louis, Missouri with her kids. And so that's a really big precursor to the, f the finish of this film because she does exactly what Gilbert kind of wanted to do all this time is Ken Carver, once again, whether it was murder or not, he dies. And the fact that he's gone, she has this kind of renewed sense of feeling. She even says when she's in the grocery store around Gilbert, like sometimes I miss him, sometimes I don't. Like there's a guilt to it and an emotional attachment. Maybe she murdered him, maybe she didn't. But his death means that she can now leave and go restart somewhere else. And so that, I think, it's kind of that double punch from her that represents the reason for Gilbert to really take this next step in his emotional development. And I think he followed it's a suit. Perfect shot. I think he he realized he yeah. she found a little bit of happiness in starting over. She just picked up everything and left. And I think it showed him that he could do the exact same thing. You know, I guess his circumstances changed slightly with his mother passing, but I think he realized it at that moment that he could do the exact same thing she just did. Question. Even with two, two sons. Yeah, question. So I wrote here, the, the water tower in this film has a weird, weird role. You know, in the high-level role, it's basically the, what causes Arnie to end up at the police station because the cops have to come and bring him down. Yep. But do you think that the water tower represents something deeper in this film? And if so, what is it? I'm not sure. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but like I've been trying to think through it because it's a repetitive thing that occurs, you know, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the first time he makes it halfway and then by the last time he's all the way at the top, you know, That's a I, I don't know question. what it is. I, I don't want to waste time I, if you have no I idea because I, I think something. there is something there, but I can't like I can't put like my piece to it. Um but no. yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because that's it's a, that's a fascinating yeah, question. It's stuck I, out. You're right. Me. I think there should be. Aside from that, it just plays such a role in. Um, it sets in, up his mom having to go to the police station. Yeah, but, but I think it also I think there's something else there has yeah. a part. That's part of the relationship between Arnie and um, Gilbert is the water tower because he loves it so much for whatever reason, and Gilbert each time somehow gets the police to just let him off. And it's clearly happened a lot before. I would love to know if there's actually I'll some sort of it, deeper yeah. meaning because that's a, uh, that's a great point. So yeah, I'll let you ponder that a little bit. Um, switching gears a little bit, just getting into some of the more technicals of this film. Um, the music in this movie drives this film in terms of the emotional element. It has this very somber feel that makes you reflective. You know, there's not much to it. It's it's pretty basic but and pretty simplified, but it has a feeling that makes you feel alone, kind of. Um, and I really think it puts you in that emotional feel with the film, um, as well as the camera shots that they have as well. There's one scene I'm thinking specifically when Gilbert and Becky are sitting, like, in the farm, and there's these two round haystacks on the left and the right, and they're sitting in between. 
and the sun is reflecting during sunset in between. There's some really cool shots here and I get like the Star Wars vibe with the sunsets where um, like Luke Skywalker always looking to the to the horizon and I get the vibe of like the sunset and like how these shots are positioned. It's like oh, Gilbert always looking to the sunset of what could be next and he finally gets that fulfillment by the end. But more technicals there and I mean with DiCaprio, this, in, in my opinion, is his best. I've seen probably every DiCaprio film. This is his best performance by a mile, by a mile and a half. Like the fact that he got the Oscar for The Revenant and not this. I mean, The Revenant's eh, in my opinion. And the fact that he got the Oscar for it's eh. But I mean, he's incredible. The fact that he is able to really, really capture the the capabilities of someone um, like that. It's it's incredible. Um, and he does a phenomenal job. And he, he cements this film, him and Gilbert cement this film without, without the capabilities of Leo there. I don't think you'd have the same, it would have the same effect at all. I agree. I think I can't say like a specific actor would do better or worse, but I think you have like an older person try to play that and you get a much different feel for Arnie. Yeah, the fact that he's so young doing that acting. Yeah. Leo, how old is he there? 15 maybe? I think he's mid, yeah, mid-teens, maybe slightly later, maybe 16 or, yeah. But yeah, he's he's a young dude and for for one of his first, might be his first lead role film, I think I think it was, for that type of acting skill to to play, um, you know, that type of role, some sort of, you know, I'm not sure if he had Down syndrome or something, but unreal for that type of age to be able to to portray that type of character uh now i haven't seen scent of a woman which al pacino actually won i hear he does a phenomenal job but to me what, after won the watching, oscar for he won the oscar yeah he gotcha. he played like a um pretty sure it was like a deaf and or no a blind um war vet and I've seen the trailer, and I see it. how he won. But at the same time, I, I don't know how close it was or anything, but I think it could be an easy toss-up between the two. Thinking about it, I don't know if if I can conclude something with the Water Tower, aside from maybe just something Arnie wanted to shoot for in terms of getting to the top. And he was so excited when he did, but it also brought that next scene where his mother had to get out and you know makes fun of her. Yeah. So it's kind of like a happy moment for Arnie and then a sad moment for the mother and, you know, them taking him into custody. I always analyze these, <laughs> I always analyze films through this room and like that one obviously has the coincidental element of setting up the scene with his mom at the police station, but it just seems way more figurative um, than literal. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer, but I just wanted to throw it out there. Um, but we can sh- we can shift gears. I think I think there is. I think that's almost past my intellectual capability <laughs> <laughs> to think that deeply. But I'm sure there is. I mean, it, it plays a role in you know f- probably four scenes or so. But um, I think the supporting cast as well. You know, when I realized that um, Marty McFly's dad was in yeah. this as well as John C. Riley. It was kind of hard to take them seriously because both their roles are a little more like it's, I mean, it's a more serious film and John C. Riley, the only thing I've seen him in their comedies, which is the only thing I ever thought he did. So he does. If you go back to like the nineties, he actually has some pretty big films where he's like a plus one character and like some relatively more serious, not 
comedy roles, basically. But I absolutely agree. I think when I think of John C. Riley, I think of Shake and Bake from Talladega Nights. And so, yeah. yeah. But I think he, I, like in Inglorious Bastards, they have these these comedy sequences um, that make you laugh to break up the the intensity of the film. In a way, like John C. Riley and you know George McFly's actor, whatever his name is, and whatever character is in this film, they kind of represent that like emotional detachment and just kind of give you a breather in this film. You know that there's not going to be anything particularly intense with them, and they also represent two guys who are probably never going to leave this town. They contrast themselves yeah. with Becky perfectly. Uh, they're not going anywhere, but Becky tries to get Gilbert. Gilbert's in between not going anywhere and wanting something else. Um, and they contrast that well, but I think that they're fine. Like they don't, they don't hurt the film at all. In my opinion. Now, Juliet, Juliet Lewis's Becky. What did you think of Becky herself? I think she's fun in this film. She, everyone has that friend or everyone needs that friend that gets you to tap your imagination, gets you to think about the next level thing. What more can you do? Um, beyond your current life and and she fills that role perfectly and i know there's a romantic element with it as well but like she's fun in this film i think she does a great acting job she's kind of off-putting at first a little bit um it's a little odd but she has this confidence to her in which she doesn't really care about what anyone thinks she just kind of lives her life she represents it like carpe diem really well um and it's pretty cool and I think she does a phenomenal job in terms of performance. And I think her character does exactly what she needs to do. She needs to get Gilbert Grape to think beyond this small little Iowa town. That, that's fair. I um, I think she does yeah, fine acting. Nothing great, nothing bad. You're right in terms of I think she was awkward. I think she was just so weird. For, I, I think it was designed much, like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I do agree. And I kind of think of like if you put some other um, person with different characteristics, um, I guess less uh, worldly. Uh, she kind of passes me as like a seventies uh, uh, lady who like smokes weed and everything. Yeah, like a little be, be one with nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like that. A hippie, like, yeah. I don't know if hippie is the right word, but like. Just, I think she freedom, hippie freedom, like just like live now, do whatever you want to do, go see as much as you can, and take it all in. You know, yeah, I vibe with that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really have any problem with her whatsoever. Sounds like you do. Sounds like you have some beef here, Matt. I I don't know if it's. I wouldn't say beef. Let's hear it. Come on, lay it out. This might have been my only hot take. Now, her character's role in Gilbert's life is. Clear. What's the hot take with her? What didn't you like about her? Come on, dive into this a little more. Give me something. So I think it was the time frame of kind of like how it happens, I think was kind of forced for her. And her character, it's... I, I just don't see how him and her match at all. I don't see how he finds her attractive at all. No, no, not okay. Well, not not necessarily attractive, but in the sense of like, you know, there's at the one scene they're sitting watching the sunset briefly, and she kind of she's like, "I'm just gonna sit here," and he's like, "All right, well, I'll leave. I'll come back for you," because he has to go see Arnie. And there, I know there was one time, and I can't specifically say which one, but he just like doesn't agree with her. He's like, "I just don't think that way," 
or he, he he almost like plays it off as like she kind of is crazy. And to me, it was kind of just a really weird duo in terms of the like romantic aspect of her character and what she stands for I and how Gilbert disagree. lives his life. I didn't well, see that's, the connection. Well, that's because she's supposed to represent like stark contrast to how he lives his life. She's supposed to be the tool that gets him but to, me, to think bigger than this Iowa town. To me, which I guess is my hot, well, I don't know if it's a true hot take, but my only thing is I did not see them have any, I didn't see Gilbert show any actual emotional, like, I like her, I love her aspect in his character at all. I think that's, I think, I don't think you're wrong. Until a certain point, I think he starts to show it towards her. But he doesn't show emotion towards anyone in this film. The only person he really shows an emotion toward is Arnie. That's and valid. I think you really see it when he for, he leaves Arnie in the bathtub. That's like, I mean, one of the crispest moments oh, when you see his see emotion. Her. But, I mean, think about Gilbert with Becky. Think about Gilbert with his sisters, with his mother. He's kind of really calloused over. He doesn't have the capacity to have an emotional connection That's with fair. people. But she brings it out in him. She softens him up. See, to me, I think it's more of that and way almost non-existent of a romantic relationship and he kind of just falls into it because I mean, she's he was so sleeping different with like from, a 40 year old mom so i mean i know <laughs> I, I i just don't see the romantic aspect for them i think it's more of a to me it was more of a relationship in terms of getting him to think for himself to think what else is out there because she too, she though. went to like every country or something like that gilbert hasn't even left the the yeah. county lines so to me, I think it was less of that romance. Listen, and you more... had to expect romance out of their relationship. I know, and I, I, I don't really actually have a problem with it. I just didn't think it fully came across as an actual romantic thing. Maybe, to, you know, maybe when he does leave Arnie in the bathtub to go see her. But even then, I think he's just longing for something different instead of a romantic aspect which she portrays as different. I wouldn't confuse the, the relationship that they have as being purely romantic. It starts as like a, an odd friendship um, and then it manifests into something romantic. And I think there's a, a fine line to draw there. I disagree with you. I, I, don't know what I'm, I don't know what we're disagreeing about. It seems like you're on the fence about it anyway. I like her character. I don't think it's a... I think it's an okay character in terms of... How the Do you think that's a function of, of Juliette Lewis's acting? I've only seen her in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say, when I first saw this film, and she, she like gets out, whatever, she's at the store, wherever, the first time you see her, I'm like, wait a minute. Audrey? Is that Audrey? <laughs> yeah, I did too. So I've only, I think, seen her in that. She's so good in that movie too. Oh. Yeah, but I, I don't think it has to do with that portrayal of her because she's not... She's, I mean, she's not funny. She doesn't play the same character whatsoever. I think it's, I think it's, to me almost, it, I don't know if it's defending you or myself, but I think it's almost left up to the viewer because you can see the romantic aspect to me so marginally small that to me, I think it's more of a, she portrays what the outside world looks like and he's drawn to it rather than an actual romantic aspect. I think he's drawn to what she knows and what she lives. And then somehow it boils down to towards the very end. He ends <laughs> yeah. up liking her I agree. rather than the actual thing. So this she's and it was only for the first first go around. But I think it's rare that a 
an actor or an actress can be so tied to a previous role that you can't get out of it. But like when you watch quote, it every year, though, I mean, I mean, yeah, you like the quote that when I saw her, the quote I'm thinking of from Christmas Vacation, the moment I see her is like, we're not driving all the way out here so you can get one of those stupid ties with Santa Claus on it. Are we, Dad? Like, <laughs> that's exactly what I think of when I saw her. But, she, you know, she shakes that she is clearly a completely different character. But like, that's the only thing that I know her from. And it's kind of like Johnny Depp in a way where I only know him from like Pirates of the Caribbean pretty much. Yeah. Um, and both characters attach themselves, but I, I, it makes you think that that's a problem that some of these actors and actresses can can face, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's that, I think that's very true, especially if you do like a series. Like you think of any Star Wars Marvel person. What did and Mark like, Hamill do other than Star Wars? Exactly, Mark Hamill. Or even Terry Harrison Fisher, Ford. Aside from well, Blues Harrison Brothers. Ford does tons of stuff. Harrison Ford is still Indiana Jones and Star Wars to most people. Right. So I, I think you're right, and it might be hard to Yeah, catch. like Carrie Fisher was in the Blues Brothers, but outside of that, what else does she know? Yeah, for? I don't yeah. think anything, actually. But yeah, so I'm not Weird. really a hot take, yeah. and I don't have a true hot take for this. Uh, maybe aside from, I think this is top six or seven film I've ever seen in my entire life, if you count that as a hot take. I, wow. I think this was so good, and I think the timeless part that you said initially is so spot on that I don't think it'll ever get old. I think you'll find something new in different aspects of your life as you go through life in this film, which is why I think it's top, you know, top, what number you maybe even it? top five for wow. me. Seriously? Yep. I mean, if you're talking. Wow. Compared <laughs> to all three of the other films we've seen. You do realize we have that on the record permanently now, right? I know. And, and it is. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I will be watching it probably yearly at least. Just wow. because it's so good. Aside huh. from the acting and just seeing Leo do his thing, I think it has so much um, instances for people's lives and you know what some people go through and live that it's so good. And I mean, we're talking the last, you know, ever since we started this, the last three films, miles better. I, I can't even tell you how much better it is than There Will Be Blood because we all know how I felt okay. about that film. You're, so, you're a certified clown boy. Are you kidding me? Right, but anyway. th th this is just miles better than that. And, and Inglorious Bastards has its moments. Um, and it's a great film. I like Dead Poets Society more. I thought Dead Poets Society had a similar, you know, tap your inner capabilities. Yeah. Carpe diem, it, they were pretty life. close. They were pretty close. And, and that is true. But I but did like films. this more because of my hot take for that, which you will have to go back, listeners, and, and listen because he destroys me in that. Yeah. So I'm yep. kind of happy yeah. I don't have a true hot take for this one. <laughs> I need uh, don't mess you know, with me. that mental don't, don't. preparation. But yeah, what, right, I, so I what, think what it number could be top five it? for me. What number? I'm giving it a, a, an easy 8.5. Top five and it's only getting an 8.5. I mean, ha do you have an actual 10 out of 10 film? No. I'm just... I'm just then, yeah. I mean, ears. if we're going for those dots, I think it's 8.75, truthfully. But I'm kind of going thick. I can't round it up to a nine. I just so, can't. I'm, I'm going to... All right, so an 8.5. So I, I say 8.5 for me. I'm going to give it a 7. What? Yeah. Out of all that, of, of you enjoying it, you give it a 7? I mean, a damn 7? I got it. I got it. Okay, I'm turning into like a, like a ratings... Uh, I don't know, like a ratings slut here. All my films we've watched so far have been like 7.5 well, or higher. And let me explain why I'd give it a 7. This film is good. It's really good if you want to feel something. I, I don't know if it's one I'll constantly revisit, like I would categorize a top five or a top ten film. 
And the reason I say timeless is this is like one of those developmental films that every college kid or 20 something year old needs to see because it really makes you reflect on your life. And so I put it in a category of like a, like a Ferris Bueller's day off type thing. And I'm trying to think of a different film, like a breakfast club or like a coming of age film that you need to see to, to go to that next level. But I don't, I don't categorize it as one of the best I've ever seen. I think it's something that makes you think about. Yeah. It's in one of those are not even close to the standard. No, I agree. I agree. I think you're right. The quality of the film is completely different. I agree. Yeah. And I think you're right with it is, it could certainly be a coming of age film. I just I loved every aspect of it in its entirety, every single aspect. So, I mean, to me, the rating system, like if you say two eights and you liked one less, that doesn't like we're going by right. point five. I'm going with the so, seven. Ah, seven's really tough, actually. So, like, yeah. if, if you want to go for like a seven point six, I'm OK doing the decimal system now no. more yeah. specifically. But it's, it's just tough with all these films we're watching. Uh, that's fair they, they, i mean they all are very similar in terms of like where you would rate them and it does come down to 8.2 8.3 8.4 type of thing which is why if you put it like with all those it doesn't mean it's better it doesn't mean it's no, terribly worse you just might, and it, we're comparing it apples and oranges this film can't be compared to an inglorious bastard so all right seven well i, I can i condemn you this time for the seven because i, I think, think the seven's a little ahead. aggressive i guess maybe a seven i think it's miles ahead i'm, I'm wishy-washy on it I, that's fair so I just the last portion I do want to talk about, which is like a question posing. Do you think Betsy murders the husband or not? Two things. One, Ken Carver in this film absolutely sucks. (laughs) (laughs) This dude. Really? I I find him so funny. Yeah, he's hilarious (laughs) because he sucks so much. (laughs) The dude freaking sells insurance in a one man office in freaking Iowa. And he's like, call me. And then, oh, this he stinks. I, um, I hate his I, character. I, and I every actually, time. I see why Betty does what she does. <laughs> Not justifying so, it at all, but like. <laughs> so you're saying you think he, she killed him? I, I do actually think she killed him. Because the way that he dies, when I think it's John C. Riley and uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and Marty uh, McFly's dad, George whatever. McFly, yeah. Yeah. When they're describing, like. How his body <laughs> was found in the pool. <laughs> and like Honestly. At first, like, he fell in. I was drowned. cracking up so... It's really that- dark and kind of messed up because those kids are going to grow up without a father. But, like, I think she totally murdered him. But he also sucked. So I think that scene, I laughed so hard when he had the bowl and the spoon. And he's like, <laughs> he just fell <laughs> he bent, in. <laughs> he bent the spoon. You know? Yeah. And like he's like, classic diner. it's so possible. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was so funny. That was the funniest scene for me in general. I don't know if it's partially that scene or, mo- and clearly most of it is how Ken is and how he's portrayed. <laughs> I absolutely can see him falling in face first, getting a spasm or whatever, and then dying. So I don't think I think she killed him. I think based on how he is, how he's so oblivious, I could complete. And he plays <laughs> I, I in that think... pool. He like grabs his kids and puts them in the pool, which is hysterical as well. I completely That's see him oddball. with that yeah. irony, him completely just like having a heart attack there, falling in the pool and dying. Yeah. I don't I, think I she mean, would maybe. stoop that low. I mean, for how oblivious he is, she could have gotten away with anything while he was alive and having that income, you know, for the job and everything else. Yeah. I don't see her 
her reason to kill him since literally, I mean, he walked out after like having sex with her and he was just like, oh, hey, Gilbert, thanks for dropping see, off the see, grocery. Hey, like, I think idiot. I think Ken knew. I think Ken knew, but he didn't care because he knew how much he sucked. That's what I think. <laughs> I think he he had to know. Dude, the, the, there's one shot when they're in the diner and Gilbert and Betty are staring at each other and he is going and paying the bill or whatever and he looks at her and he catches Betty staring at Gilbert. This dude had to know. And if he didn't know, he sucks even more. But if he did know, he still sucks. I hated I th- this I character. Think he, I think he might he have at least garbage. had a hunch because he did like give him kind he of a stare. Yeah. But at the same time, it goes back Maybe to the they fact want that, you to he, think that he's yeah. just a moron and a buffoon. And Classic I completely Iowa, see him yeah. dying that way. I don't. I don't <laughs> see her being a murderer. So I don't think. She, I don't think. Um, yeah. I don't think she did it personally. But all right. Next time, join us. We are doing Interstellar. So strap in. I'm pretty sure it's in outer space, right? Oh, to the yeah. moon. We're going for to all the you black Wall Street hole. bets people out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, that's what we're doing next time. So you take care. Stay classy, everyone. Bye.